0: It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now.
1: Back with another episode of Decal Download. I'm Reg Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. Well, with the number of COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations on the rise and the number of Georgians fully vaccinated at less than 50 percent, there are many questions from families and parents about what to do when it comes to child care. We're hearing from a lot of you on social media and, Commissioner, today we thought we would tackle some of those questions.
2: Yeah, we will give it a try and um, brought in one of our favorite experts that I know I've been following um, throughout the pandemic to help us answer some of these questions because we don't pretend to be public health experts at (laughs) DECAL.
1: I can honestly say I don't know of you avidly following anyone quite like this guest today you have been following her pretty closely
2: you know I have I honestly have I don't think I've ever told her that because I've never actually spoken to Dr. Smith in person Um, but I have you know I listen to as many podcasts as I possibly can on how we should reopen our offices and how we should send our consultants back out in the field and um, it it was a CEO of a health company it was like you know there's so much data out there there's just It's just, we're just so divided over this, no matter what news channel you listen to, it's going to be something different. And what his advice was, and I took it was just use one source and stick to that source and tell the folks that you're making decisions that impact them. This is the source I'm using, whether or not you agree with it or not, I'm using this one main source. And so, um, you know, Dr. Schmitke's, um, her data comes from publicly available data, but she really presents it in a way that's really easily understandable. So she's, she's been my go-to. She just didn't know it.
1: (laughs) She's been a big help to us with an all-staff meeting that we had virtually a few months ago when we were talking about returning to the new normal. We're not there yet, but she was a lot of encouragement and help uh, to us and uh, just relating to our employees. So uh, we're excited to uh, have uh, with us uh, today Dr. Amber Schmitke, an expert in microbiology and immunology, Uh, who is following the COVID-19 trends in Georgia very closely. And of course, on the front lines of this and talking with our licensed Georgia child care providers all across Georgia about COVID-19 is our own Pam Stephens, Deputy Commissioner for Child Care Services. Ladies, uh, welcome back to the podcast.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Well, let's begin with uh, Governor Brian Kemp's most recent news conference on Monday, August 16th, where he talked about more than doubling state-sponsored hospital staffing through the Department of Community Health in both metro and rural areas. The governor also announced a bonus state holiday on Friday, September 3rd, encouraging state employees to use that time to get vaccinated.
4: For those of you that have been vaccinated or got their shot before September 3rd, please take this day off as a thank you to for all the work that you have done and for stepping up to help protect yourselves and protect others from you during this pandemic and enjoy this time with your friends and family. We certainly are appreciative of all that our state employees have done over the last year and a half going on two years now working through a global pandemic and keeping our state running.
1: Dr. Kathleen Toomey with the Georgia Department of Public Health acknowledged the recent increase in COVID cases, 90% of which she says are caused by the Delta variant.
2: This variant is much more transmissible. It goes very quickly from person to person. It causes you to become infected much more quickly within a matter of days rather than a week or longer. And so not surprisingly, um, it's making a beeline for unvaccinated individuals. The good news is that vaccines do work. They are protecting people from consequences of what is a potentially more dangerous virus.
1: Governor Kemp was asked about kids returning to school and if he would be issuing any mandates. The governor stressed his confidence in local school superintendents and principals
4: to make those decisions at the local level. The same thing in some regards happened last year students students came back teachers came back some of them came back having covid not knowing it Uh, all you know a lot of schools had to deal with an initial surge and kind of fight through that and every school is going to have to deal with that differently i'm trusting them to do that i don't think any more guidance or any restrictions i actually think that would be counterproductive i had a first grade teacher that told me this week on a visit to a school Please do not shut our schools back down. Kids that didn't go to pre-K last year, uh, they, they are struggling in the first grade classroom uh, because they're not used to being in that environment, and that is why we need to get our kids back. If they need to go virtual for a week or two weeks or delay as some systems are doing, uh, I'm certainly supportive of that. But we also have systems that this is gonna be their third full week of instruction. And they're doing just fine, very few issues, and they're plowing ahead. So all of that
1: from the news conference, uh, the most recent news conference by uh, Governor Kemp and Dr. Toomey on Monday, August 16th. So let's talk about where we are today. And Dr. Schmidtke, let's start with the big picture. You track COVID-19 really with four big metrics, cases, hospital admissions, ICU admissions, and deaths and how are we doing at this point?
3: Uh, Well good morning and thank you for the invitation to join you. I will say that yes those are the big four things that I pay attention to and so far all of them are rising. Uh, When I wrote my most recent newsletter I said things continue to deteriorate and that unfortunately is the landscape that Georgia is in right now.
2: Well, earlier this year, it seemed like we were returning to uh, a new normal. The CDC gave vaccinated people clearance to remove their mask, and now we're being told even vaccinated people should wear masks indoors. Is this all due to the Delta variant?
3: You know, I think it is. I think that the Delta variant is a game changer in many ways, and not because the virus is more severe, necessarily, but because it is more transmissible. Um, You know, in the past, when we had a person who was sick, they would go on to infect, on average, two more people. Uh, With the Delta variant, we're estimating that they go on to uh, infect about seven more people. So things escalate much, much quicker. Um, And that's why you're seeing the strain that we're seeing on the hospitals, even though we're relatively early in the Delta surge for the Georgia experience, so, you know, that's scary, right? When we think about how much more we could have to go um, and, and, you know, all of the different complicating factors that are interweaving between science and what society is doing and, and those sorts of things.
1: Well, our audience is obviously interested in young children 12 and under who are not eligible for a vaccine at this point. Are, are you hearing anything on when that might be available?
3: Gosh, I wish that it was a, available to us like, yesterday. Um, And the reason why is because I too have a kid under the age of 12. Um, So I have a personal stake in this too. Um, You know, I've heard things anywhere from September to midwinter, whatever that means. It could be December. Um, And so what I worry about, um, I don't want to unnecessarily frighten people, but you know, with the way that the Delta variant spreads, I worry that by the time we have an emergency use authorization or approval for kids under the age of 12, it will be too late to help. Um, because we're going to see a lot of kids exposed in the next months, um, you know, and and so, you know, at what point, um, you know, because like I, I sent my kids to school today, right, and I'm protecting them with the very best mask I can find, but I can't control for what happens in the lunchroom when a, a crowded room full of students all take their masks off at the same time to eat, um, you know, and so, it's just a matter of time, and I've already told the people that I work with we should anticipate that we're going to have to pivot, not necessarily because our own students are sick, but because our children are sick. So it's it's a concern.
1: And what about um, advice for childcare programs and schools as children are returning to classes? Are there some general ideas that that you would like to pass along to them?
3: Yeah, you know, I think we just really need to adopt a strong safety mindset. Um, when it comes to this, and I, and I know the folks in childcare do generally, but we have to think beyond um, some of the things that we would normally think of. Um, because these kids are too young to be vaccinated, it's really important to surround them with people who are vaccinated. Um, this is called the cocoon strategy of vaccination where you know we have somebody who's vulnerable, so we're gonna vaccinate everyone we can, who they interact with, so that there's less chance of the virus getting to them. And so we sort of overlap our immunities together to provide that wall of protection. Um, so that's number one. Number two, it's really important that we try really hard not to bring disease into that environment where those vulnerable kids are. So we do that with masking. We do that with you know making sure that you stay home if you're sick. Um, we make sure that, um, you know, some things that we can do is improve ventilation to the room. Anything we can do to bring in outside air is great. I've also bought, like for my own classroom, um, a portable HEPA filter that I can take with me from room to room. So, you know, depending on budgets and availability, I don't know whether that's a tenable option for a lot of these places. But, you know, there, we can be creative and still be successful here.
2: That's a lot of great advice.
0: I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, you know, I think that's what's so hard for childcare right now is that they have been doing this for so long and now it's only getting worse, Mm. you know, and it feels so like you're saying, that feeling of sending your own children to school feels so out of control to a certain degree. And I feel like our childcare providers have tried so hard for so long and now they're being faced with something even more difficult. That's even more of a threat to the kids. They're trying so desperately to protect. And then on top of that, there's another layer for childcare, and that's the um, employee shortage. And so on top of that, they have an employee uh, shortage, and they're asking so much more of the employees, and they they can't get you know it's very hard to find people anyway. So I just think it's a tough tough time for childcare right now.
3: Yeah, it certainly is. And my heart goes out to the folks that are on the front lines of this. I mean, obviously you went into this line of work because it's a calling to you um, and it's a passion. And you know, raising, the, or, raising or, or supervising the journey of these kids, um, providing them a safe place to learn and explore and to interact with each other is critically important uh, developmentally and it's important to our economy and everything else. Um, and you're right, they are being asked to do some unfair things right now, but so are our healthcare workers. The reality is we're all sort of in this together. Um, and so it, it, I, I wish I could just reach through the airwaves and give a giant hug to everybody, but I can't, um, but just know that my heart is there. And I understand that what we're asking people to do is, is difficult um, and uncomfortable, um, but I think it's what we need to do in order to keep those kiddos safe.
2: Well, Pam, you mentioned child care, short, child care facing a staffing shortage, and obviously they're exhausted like the rest of us are. Um, what else are you hearing from child care programs in Georgia?
0: you know, it was so interesting because I think one of the things that we keep hearing that they want, that we all want is a time frame. They, you know, you know, they want, you know, when will this happen, you know, with different things, like when will DECAL be back in programs? When will, you know, other things happen? And it's like, and it's so frustrating because I think what we've all learned is we can't predict anything. You know, we have plans and then something new pops up and we just have to keep being reactive. And, um, it is so important to make sure that we're doing everything we can to be proactive to make this maybe last not as long as it possibly could. Another thing we're hearing is about mask mandates. They ask a lot about, will there be a mask mandate? And we know in Georgia, there will not be a mask mandate, but you know, child care providers can remember that these are, you know, private businesses and they can mandate masks in their own programs. And they can mandate that anyone who enters the program wears a mask and, um, you know, in doing some of the extra things you know, that, um, that w- were just talked about, also remember the fundamental things that we've always been doing. Don't forget about the masks and the hand washing. And, you know, and again, we, uh, we get questions about social distancing. We always have to make sure that we understand what social distancing means. And childcare is very different than in the rest of the world. You, know, you have to be close to children. I mean, there's just no way. And so that's why we think of social distancing more as cohorting like keeping the same group together all the time as you move about the building. and you know you don't want to have a lot of people coming and going, but definitely be close to those young children. You have to be as a teacher, but just try to keep them all in one group all the time. So those are some of the biggest questions we're getting.
1: I know one question we've heard a lot about is that custodial parents of children in a childcare facility must be allowed to enter that facility while their child is in care. And, and Pam, can you clarify that for us? And is a program still allowed to require mask or a temperature check as a precaution?
0: Absolutely. We encourage them to require a mask before anyone enters their building, and they can also do a temperature check. But yes, the child care rule says that the custodial parent has to have access to any part of the building that is serving children while their child is present. that doesn't mean if they decide to bring the neighbor and an aunt and an uncle and grandparent to pick up the child that you have to let everybody in you do not but you but the custodial parent has to be allowed in and i think that's a hard thing right now because everyone's trying to be so careful and for a long time there was that rule was suspended and then parents weren't allowed to enter the building that is no longer the case that executive order um has expired and so the rule is in effect that that custodial parent needs to be allowed into the building but again you can be really careful with that. Uh, that doesn't mean you have to let people congregate in your lobby to plan a birthday party. You know, it yeah. doesn't mean any of those things. It means, you know, in and out to get your child, you know, a few minutes to say hi to the teacher and see what's going on in the classroom and then to leave.
2: Well, only about 40% of Georgians have been fully vaccinated despite the availability and even incentives to get the shot. I know every time I go to Walmart, it's like, Come on over to the pharmacy. We're ready to put a shot in your arm. So they are available twenty four seven. It feels like now, uh, Doctor Smickey. What should we be doing to encourage, encourage more people to get vaccinated?
3: Yeah, I know it seems like they're everywhere, right? right? But then we still hear about people that are like, "I haven't had time" or "I haven't had access." And and uh, I think it's sometimes hard um, for us to remember that there are a lot of people who work multiple jobs or live paycheck to paycheck, and so. Um, you know, my reality, I have to remind myself is not their reality. And so that's something that I have to sort of step back and think about. And so when I put it in that perspective, it helps me to think about what should we do, right? And I think one of the answers is to make that vaccine, just like you're experiencing when you walk into Walmart, except that's everywhere they go. Like it needs to be convenient. It needs to be at every neighborhood block party. It needs to be um, at you know concerts, at Uh, Every grocery store, not just those that have a pharmacy. Um, Where do people gather high school football games in rural Georgia, that is the community gathering right and so I think that there are things that we can do to take advantage of already existing gathering opportunities, but I think that when we see FDA approval come through what what you're going to start seeing is more. vaccine requirements. And while I know that that's not popular from a political perspective, I think that that ultimately will help to drive vaccination rates up. Um, And so, you know, we've got a a lot of history with vaccine requirements for different things. And so I think that this will just be another one of those situations.
1: You know, one thing that we should say for the Georgia Department of Public Health, and Dr. Toomey mentioned it at the news conference yesterday, is they're trying some unique approaches. They're, They're showing up at farmers markets and arts and crafts shows on the weekend. And uh, DeKalb County held a a big event with some uh, sports uh, celebrities that were there to encourage. But Dr. Toomey mentioned that in in at least one case, I think it was a farmer's market, maybe in Savannah, uh, they were presenting information, but they also had the vaccine available. And people would come to the table, pick up a brochure, talk a little bit, ask a few questions, walk around to some other tables, come back and say, you know what, I'd like to get it today. <laughs> Let me go ahead and get that vaccine. Almost like when you go back by for, to purchase some tomatoes or uh, boiled peanuts or, or whatever. Um, and I think you're right. I think we've got to make it um, accessible and available and um, and then have the information uh, to encourage people. So I, those are important things. Uh, Pam, the governor's latest executive order removed any restrictions in child care programs. So in light of that, What advice are we giving to child care facilities and will the guidance we previously issued in April with the Georgia department of public health, will that be updated?
0: Yes. That's in the process of being updated right now. A lot of people are asking for it. We're trying to get that done as quickly as possible, but we always want to make sure that anything we're posting or anything that we're putting out there is current. We don't want to, you know, so we're updating that right now. Um, I think we want to make sure that the message isn't the executive order is gone so you don't have to be as vigilant. That's not the message. The message is that keep doing what you were doing. Encourage vaccination with your staff. Make it as easy as possible for your staff to be vaccinated. Put mask mandates in your programs if you can, or at least encourage everyone to wear masks, any child over two to wear a mask. The difference now is not that we need to be less worried about the virus. It's that when we all those executive orders When we did all that, it was we thought it was gonna be for four weeks to eight weeks, right? I mean, we didn't understand what what we were beginning, what was what was in front of us. And so when you said things like, for instance, that example of, you know, parents, custodial parents not being allowed in the building, we had no idea that we'd be working on two years. And so I think with a lot of those things, you have to remember that that the again, the fact that there is not an executive order now does not mean that there's less to worry about. It just means that it's different now and we still need to be doing all those things. We need to be as vigilant as ever and take this as seriously as ever. And again, I mean, that's vaccinate. That's the biggest thing. That's what we're trying to encourage everybody to do and make it as easy as possible for your staff to get vaccinated. And just, I'm just going to say too, that shot does not hurt at all. I was surprised how how much that shot did not hurt. Like you didn't even know you were getting it. I drove through. It was awesome. So, you know, (laughs) and where I got it,
1: they gave you a little souvenir.
0: Oh, oh, that was awesome.
2: Nice. Well, and you can get a free Krispy Kreme donut for the rest of the year. Like that is incentive <laughs> yes. enough for me. Just get your Krispy Cream One a day if you want. I mean, let's go. <laughs> Hashtag
0: <laughs> vaccination is fun.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just add, you know, when we think about, you know, whether the governor's got a, a pl- an order in place or not, you can always blame the CDC. Like, I know that, and I I say that as something that used to work there. Go ahead and blame them. Um, And and in the sense that, you know, if you've got a parent who's upset about the requirements or whatever, you know, the CDC's guidance provides a lot of top cover. Um, And you know what, it's that sort of go ask your mom sort of situation where, you know, and and we've all experienced that, right? And so um, I think that, you know, it helps to have that Available to you to be like, look, we're just following CDC guidance, right? And it's hard to argue with that, especially when you've got this gathering of kids that are so young and not able to be vaccinated. So I would just put that out there too.
2: Well, in addition to COVID, uh, we're also hearing about a rise in RSV infections among children. Can you tell us about that and how should families protect against it?
3: Um, yes, uh, we are seeing a rise in RSV, and it's weird because it's out of season. We usually see RSV infections in the winter time. Um, But, you know, with uh, people taking their masks off and and whatnot, it seems like this is the time that we're seeing it. And so that is a little strange. What's scary in some ways is that we're seeing what happens when RSV and COVID team up in the same patient. Um, And so that's a a cause for concern. And I think that's another reason why we all need to commit to getting our flu shot this coming year, because we got lucky last year with a really quiet flu season because we were all wearing masks and doing things to prevent COVID that also helped us to prevent both RSV and influenza. Um, But I think that, you know, with people's, just off the charts pandemic fatigue, we're gonna see more of those co-infections going on this year. Um, In in terms of how families can protect against it, um, again, you know, whatever you can do to prevent COVID is also going to help you to prevent things like RSV. And so wearing masks, good hand hygiene, cough etiquette, staying home when you're sick, social distancing. I think we've learned a lot here about COVID that could help us with a lot of different infections.
1: We're going to pull a couple of questions from our social media. We ask our Facebook uh, followers for any questions they might have about uh, COVID nineteen and our current situation, and so uh, we'll organize the chairs in a uh, round table uh, and ask you guys to to see what you can do about uh, some of these questions. Uh, Cassandra uh, writes about childcare workers not getting paid when COVID nineteen comes through a building and it needs to be shut down. Uh, for a period of time, 10 days, uh, she says. Pam, is um, what is the best response to that?
0: Um, th- that's a hard one. I mean, I think what everybody needs to understand, is not just, it's the childcare worker and it's the childcare owner and it's the childcare industry that's having so much trouble right now. Um, I think that in the beginning, when COVID first started and programs shut down, there were plenty of programs that still charged the families, even though they were shut down and the families were actually willing to pay because they they didn't want the childcare center to fail and they didn't want the employees to go unpaid. Um, At this point, and commissioner, uh, if you have something to add, at this point, there's no big pot of money for that. At this point, that is being directed toward that. Um, It is definitely a, a real problem. And again, I think families do have an interest in, in helping when possible when they can, um, as far as keeping tuition going so programs can stay afloat. but um, it's at every level. It's at every level that people are struggling.
2: Yeah, I think the good news is you know we have received the additional um, dollars from the feds, 1.6 billion. Um, and part of that will go well the majority of that will go directly to childcare programs and they'll be able to use it for, for that instance so that they can continue to pay their teachers when they do have, um, if they have to close um, for a quarantine issues. So that money is on the way in the next several months. And so hopefully that will be good news uh, to teachers and childcare providers as well. They can definitely use that. And it's a pretty large sum of money coming their way, in addition to the $165 million that we've already provided to them.
1: But I mean, fair to say that uh, these are private businesses. I, I guess really, if there's a question pertaining to personnel matters, employees being paid during a time like that. It's really important to sit down and have that conversation with your owner and director.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's not like a local school system that continues to receive their state, local, and federal dollars if they have to shut down. Unfortunately, it's a private business that depends upon uh, tuition from parents and you know some of our other programs at DECAL. So yeah, definitely have that conversation with your employer and, and hopefully help is on the way to help your employer with that so that you're not so impacted.
1: Um, here, Nicole asks, if a teacher's child catches COVID, shouldn't that teacher quarantine until the child tests negative?
0: This is one of those things, too, where we would say you need to call your local health department because, you know, DECAL is not the um, health care expert in this situation. And um, but your local health department is the expert. And that's what we you know, we want you to report these things to us if there's a case at your program. But then definitely contact your local health department to tell you what to do. There are so many specific situations that you, it's so hard to be very general with this. You know, I mean, it's, it gets very specific.
1: We've had a couple of questions about the class size on pre-K and uh, are we considering changing that class size in response to the COVID situation?
2: So, no, there's not an official change in the class size, but what we did last year um, was we were very flexible with that. You know, right now we were, we're, we pay on 22 children in a classroom with two teachers, um, and we usually prorate that, but what we did last year is we we continued to fund you for a full classroom of 22, even if you didn't have 22 children enrolled or in attendance, because we recognize that it's really difficult. Um, It was really difficult last year, and it's probably going to be difficult this year um, to have full enrollment. So, No, we're not changing it, but she will not be impacted financially. um, Is what we will be uh, considering in the next couple months. Once we see what pre-K classrooms are actually looking like, because we don't know yet, um, we won't know that until September.
1: Um, Pam, here is one from Denise who is wondering if the state shows up and uh, they see COVID protocol not being used, will it be shut down?
0: Well, you know, we are not in the business of trying to shut down childcare. <laughs> we're trying to do everything we can to support childcare. Um, what we would do is we would, um, we would try to help, you know, we would, we would follow up to make sure that you were responding very positively to our help. But um, we would try to, we would assume that it's not being followed because there must be something that you don't understand because we know that, you know, what we're hearing over and over from, from childcare is they don't want COVID in their building. They are trying very hard to prevent this. So, we would give you what you need to support you and help you make the changes that are healthy and safe for families and children. And we would follow up to make sure that you were able to implement that. But, um, no, you know, uh, again, though, that's not a free pass not to do these things. You always have to be so careful, right?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> And again, uh, just to reiterate, this has been a question that's come up a couple of times about the updated guidance. We're expecting that um, hopefully in the near future.
0: Yeah, we're ho- we're hoping for that. You know, it's in its final stages of approval, and um, we are trying to get that out as quickly as possible.
1: All right. So keep watching our website. We'll let you know on social media as well uh, when that information has. Can I uh, add
0: something? Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, Dr. Schmitz, you said that so interesting. You were talking about things that we will do differently forever and ever, probably based on what we've learned. This is just a small thing, but it does make you think. So since COVID my family has started using little fans to blow out birthday candles instead of, because you get to think about, it, it's like who wants somebody to blow all over the food that everyone's going to eat even <laughs> on a good day. Right. I mean, even when everyone's healthy. So we will never blow on a birthday cake again. Cause it's kind of gross.
1: It it is an unusual tradition. You know, (laughs) it's almost like happy birthday to me. Good luck to you, (laughs) everyone around the table. So, yeah, Um, uh, you know, the commissioner gave a great endorsement of Dr. Schmidt's social media and um, her blog and, and other information. How do people follow you on social media and online?
3: So, um, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook, um, LinkedIn as well. Um, the newsletter, if you want to just type in the COVID digest into your Google, it'll pop right up, but it's Amber PhD.substack.com is the URL.
1: All right. And you were saying, uh, before we started recording today, uh, your university getting ready to return. How do you feel?
3: I. Uh, Cautiously optimistic, I guess is what I would say, and I think that's how all of us feel, really. Um, You know, I want to have a great year. I want these kids, because a lot of them are incoming freshmen. They're first-time, first-generation college students. Um, They have had uh, graduations and proms and every other part of adolescent life interrupted by this pandemic i want to give them some piece of normal but i also want to protect my faculty and staff um, we all have young kids who aren't vaccinated either um, and so there's sort of just this this nervous energy in the whole thing and so i'm excited um, i want to get into the learning of things but there i can't ignore that there's a virus running around
1: right. Some great information today. Uh, continue to follow us on uh, social media for the latest uh, updates. You can check out our website, decal.ga.gov, uh, where we have a full COVID page. Uh, all of our resources that we've done throughout the pandemic are uh, cataloged there for you. All the information, all of our podcasts, everything uh, that we've covered and uh, will continue to cover. Uh, as Pam said, we're here to help you, the child care providers, parents of early um, childhood uh, children, uh, students that are in the programs, everyone uh, doing everything we can to, uh, to help you. So uh, if there's something that we're missing, let us know. You can get us on social media or you can write us at Decal Download at decal.ga.gov. Dr. Schmidtke and Pam, thanks so much for being with us today.
0: Thank you. My pleasure. Now your questions from the water cooler.
1: My name is Jerry
3: Brown, and I work in communications in Atlanta. My question for Commissioner Jacobs is: With the Olympics recently finishing up, what are some of your favorite Olympic events to watch? And if you were an Olympic athlete, what would be your
1: Olympic event? Ooh, I love it!
2: Wow, Jerry, that is a great question. Um, you know, we did enjoy watching the Olympics this year. You know, sometimes we miss it, but my daughter especially liked watching the gymnastics. She's big. Uh, gymnastics fan. Uh, it's amazing how talented all those uh, gymnasts are and how much practice and effort they must put into it. So, we really enjoyed the gymnastics. <laughs> I doubt that I would ever be <laughs> an Olympian. Um, I, gosh, um, I don't know what it would be. I played softball. I don't know if that's even an Olympic sport. Um, but if it's not, I think I would try curling, which I think is in the Winter Olympics, because that is interesting.
1: It is interesting. It looks yeah, bizarre. It's uh, yeah. interesting. I love to watch it. Yeah, you were a softball player, outstanding yeah. Yeah. softball player at Heritage High School in Conyers, Georgia.
2: That's right. That's right. Heritage and, High School.
1: Uh, great memories from from those days, right?
2: Absolutely, I loved playing softball in Conyers, I- Georgia.
1: How about your kids? What uh, they're into sports as well. So
2: Lane is also uh, becoming a softball player, and uh, Charlie plays flag football and basketball. But he's also into esports. So they're doing a new club at school. So he's going to try the esports.
1: Wow! Which is like That's, video
2: game competition, I think.
1: It's a virtual kind yeah. of sporting thing, but yeah. I mean, big time. Uh, business right now yeah. so and that's he's helping yeah, we'll see <laughs> so, <laughs> that's when he asks you for the credit card you'll know right. there's something going on <laughs> and it's time to give you a chance at winning a nice prize in the decal download quiz we'll draw one name from all the correct answers to this question email your response to decal download at decal.ga.gov here's the question what percentage of Georgians are fully vaccinated with the COVID-19 vaccines? What percentage of Georgians are fully vaccinated with the COVID-19 vaccines? Answer that question at download at decal.ga.gov. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers. You could win a prize from Chick-fil-A, Fun Spot America, Georgia Lottery, Gwinnett Stripers, The School Box, Six Flags Over Georgia, Stone Mountain Park, the Roof and Skyline Park at Ponce City Market, Wild Adventures Theme Park in Valdosta, or Wild Animal Safari in Pine Mountain. Give it a shot. See if you can win. Decal Download at decal.ga.gov. Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for
0: tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M-Jacobs.